0: hello you gorgeous gay gremlins you okay so this episode was recorded uh, a couple weeks ago um, shortly after the death of george floyd brianna taylor and others and uh, just at the beginning of uh, the current protests i did want to take a minute to acknowledge that and to say that black lives matter black stories matter black artists matter uh, queer people of color matter Today, tomorrow, and always. And I want to make that perfectly clear. Um, that if you like queerness and if you like horror, you belong here. Full stop. Um, I love you. And you can always reach out to me if you're in need. If you're in the giving mood, if you'd like to do to take action, you can uh, visit the Minnesota Freedom Fund. Um... If you want to support the work out in the field, you can, chill, you can uh, check out the Black Visions Collective, uh, Reclaim the Block, the Racial Justice Network. If you're interested in helping feed uh, trans people in need, you can check out the Okra Project. If you would like to see where bailouts are needed nationwide, you can go to nationalbailout.org. Um you can also check out Brooklyn Community Bail Fund but I believe they are now diverting funds elsewhere but you can visit their website to see um where funds are needed again um I will never stop saying that black lives matter today tomorrow and I will continue to promote black voices on this show which is weird to say right before an episode where I talk to Allison LePresti about Jennifer's body but uh it's a great movie and if you need a distraction i'm happy to provide one but i also want to acknowledge that everyone should be able to say black lives matter it shouldn't be a debate it shouldn't be a discussion black lives matter today tomorrow and for the rest of forever and until everyone is able to say that i i truly i i will not rest (laughs) even though I'm literally so tired all the time. I am napping right now. I am asleep. Um, Oh boy, you guys. I love you. I love you so much. I want you to stay safe, sane, happy, and I want you to reach out if you need me. Enjoy this episode on Jennifer's body. And once again, Black Lives Matter. Enjoy. everybody and welcome to the gag a spook cast where i joshua simon talk about all things queer and horror and all things queer horror such as a group of vampires that know every single move to rain on me by lady gaga and ariana grande because they're big old queens um and also vampires because this is a queer horror podcast yeah <laughs> that was a weird one and uh <laughs> And my super special guest is a wonderful, wonderful former classmate. Yes. I always am like, how did we meet? But she is very, very funny and um, works in production and I just love her posts on Facebook. She's so funny. She's nihilistic and and occasionally shit in just the right amounts. Ladies and gentlemen, you know her, you love her. It's Alison Lopresti. Hello. How are you doing?
1: <laughs> hey thank you so much for having me um it's funny you should call me a former classmate I know we both went to NYU exactly W or
0: no I I was in like Stella Adler and then I did which ones did which schools were you in
1: I was just in ETW in Stone Street and I think I probably friended you during a phase where I decided that I was going to become Facebook famous and I started ah. friending everyone with whom I had at least 30 mutual friends. Perfect. And I made a lot of friends that way. Like a lot of people who I really enjoy. I love your social media presence oh,
0: too. Thank you.
1: so funny. Um, so thank you so much for having me. Thanks for reaching mm-hmm. out.
0: <laughs> of course. And may I ask, uh, you are currently in Brooklyn?
1: Yes, I'm in Flatbush right now.
0: In Flatbush. And how are things in Flatbush?
1: Um, I mean, things are crazy. Uh, Things are so crazy. Yeah, like on the COVID front, I think we're one of the zip codes with the highest number of cases in New York, so that's super cool, and um, I mean, you know, with all the protests going on, it's just crazy, but, you know, it's home.
0: Yeah, oh boy, it seems weird to even be talking about movies or talking about anything, honestly, with protests going on with pandemic still in mill and just the whole dumpster fire but honestly I think if I didn't lean into my comforts of which definitely like binging trash movies and horror movies is one of them I'd have lost my mind
1: yes yeah, and we yeah you gotta have you gotta have something <laughs> truly too dark
0: it cannot always be dark. Thank you for saying that. Because you, you have such dark humor sometimes, which I love. But it's also like, even people with dark senses of humor do need to find their joys.
1: Oh my god, yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, we would all just kill ourselves, you know? And oh my like goodness. Maybe we all will, like, anyway. But we can give it a shot, I feel like. <laughs>
0: uh, there. I had a group of friends who were also, like, just as just as dark and nihilistic and, and weird as me. And we would always toast by saying, next year at the bottom of the Hudson. Oh which, <laughs> oh man, because we were just like, you know what? If the world is ending, huh, let's just be kind to each other.
1: Oh my God.
0: Um, And that I've kept with me a long time. Like, I'm a very bottom at the Hudson kind of person, even yeah. though like I s- try to be, you know, hopeful still.
1: And- yeah i mean i
0: am staying hopeful
1: that's good i think there's i mean if you look for it there's stuff to be hopeful about
0: exactly oh my goodness is that peach
1: yeah she's squeaking sorry (laughs)
0: that's okay we can always edit the squeaking out or we can leave it in because it's adorable
1: let me give her a different toy
0: is having peach one of your many comforts
1: oh my god yeah um I wasn't I was like when I got her, I was debating when to do it because my job was supposed to be just finishing up and like puppies are a huge amount of work or whatever. And right. I got my bosses to agree to let me bring her to work. Um so I was super excited about that. <gasps> I ended up getting her like right when everything started shutting down. So it was just the most perfect timing and she's like such a genius little sweetheart. So I love her. So. Uh, I don't know what she, I would do without
0: her. <laughs> is she picking up things quickly? Is she very, very smart?
1: Yeah, she's super, super smart. Like, probably too smart for her own good.
0: Um, what did you? Well, actually, let me ask my first question, which I love to ask: What turned you gay this week?
1: Um, honestly, the movie that we're gonna talk about is what turned me gay. I oh. <laughs> I mean, like, maybe that's a cop out, but like, I've been looking for an excuse to rewatch this before you. Hit yeah. And I rem- I've been, like, thinking about it a lot lately. And, and I think, like, within the past few years, I- I've seen a couple of articles about, like, how Jennifer's Body has become, like, uh, a new cult classic. And we just, like, it was ahead of its time and whatever. And, um, and, and it literally, like, as you hit me up a couple days later, I pulled up Prime, and it's on Prime now for the first time. Like, it really? was, the universe wants me to have this. And, like, I am so so gay specifically for Megan in general too but like oh my god
0: (laughs) well that reveals that we are talking about Karen (laughs) Kusama's Jennifer's Body in 2009 which I remember seeing in the theaters in high school with my with my sister who's also queer so we're like two queer high schoolers figuring out like neither one of us had quite figured out how we identified yet and so looking back on that and remembering how this movie was treated when it first came out, it makes me like really wish that it had been received better. But if it hadn't been, if it hadn't been so mismanaged and so trashed the way it was at first, I don't know if this renaissance would have happened. And I really do love the renaissance that it's getting, especially uh, for the people involved too. like. Megan Fox's Hollywood journey is so wild and so layered with levels and levels of misogyny and like how Hollywood treats women it's and and people didn't and people didn't take her seriously because they're like well she's too thin and hot to be in any real like trouble or feel any certain way and that's such bullshit
1: yeah yeah Yeah, no, people absolutely fucking destroy, like, we destroyed her in, like, 2009, 2010, like, as soon as she, as soon as she showed up, we were, like, over it, because she was really hot, like, that's the only reason, like, because she was the most, like, I mean, she was, like, the sexiest woman in the world, I'm like. Right,
0: and they labeled her,
1: whatever, yeah, go ahead.
0: They labeled her that, and then as soon as that happened, everyone started to resent her and saying, you know, this movie, her performance in this movie should have like catapulted her to better roles. Yeah. But people received it like, who does this actress think she is? All she's good for is is bikini car washes in movies that star Shia LaBeouf and robots.
1: Oh my god,
0: which is so dumb.
1: Yeah, justice
0: I, for Megan Fox. Oh
1: my god, justice. Can I just say I was like looking her up. Um, in advance of us talking about this, because I was like, I really don't know what she's up to right now, which is like nothing except for like maybe dating MGK, which I was like, no, Who? Um, Machine Gun Kelly, uh, you know, you know. The oh my, the rapper? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that she is actually dating that person and uh, was in one of his music videos recently. So
0: I don't know much about Machine Gun Kelly. I'm very bad with music. I listen to to. Broadway and uh, my own thoughts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Which are
0: very musical. Um, but I do remember Machine Gun Kelly from Bird Box, starring Sandra Bullock. Holy
1: fuck, he was in Bird Box. He
0: was. I was like, who is this very skinny tattooed twink? And I looked him up, and I'm like, ah, yes, he's a rapper, of course.
1: Yeah, he was really like not popularly known until a year, year and a half ago, where he, like, wrote a diss track about Eminem. You remember (gasps) that?
0: He went after Eminem? No, I don't remember any of those.
1: Yeah, it was a huge thing. And, like, Eminem being, like, a professional and, like, you know, a professional musician for, like, his entire adult life, of course knows who Machine Gun Kelly is, and he makes, like, he responds to the diss track, and it was, like, a big thing. Was
0: Eminem. Eminem mad?
1: He... I mean, I don't think he was mad, but yeah, he did respond, and he was just like, literally, "Who are you? Like, I, I am like so much more successful than you. Like, it never me. It's okay. I get it. Just like, relax."
0: Oh <laughs> my was... god.
1: I, I mean, it was wild. It was a wild time. <laughs> I,
0: I never thought I would hear like, and then Eminem, the consummate professional, oh my god. <laughs> ever the <laughs> professional but he's just been working 20 years longer.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's literally just a professional. Like, forget about his attitude, just like he's a, you know, he's a figure. And, and Machine Gun Kelly was just like a skinny, white, like, emo boy who, like, decided to, like, shoot his shot, I guess. We were oh. like, wow, go for it.
0: And look, you get to star in Bird Box um, yeah. for your troubles.
1: Yeah. What made something of it (laughs) so she's dating that man
0: (laughs) okay well do whatever you want honestly the way the way hollywood treated you do whatever you want yeah
1: i mean i think she would surely be a different person if we had like given her any ounce of respect during that time in her life but you know
0: god it's it's i mean it's just so jarring to look back on how poorly things age after 10 years. Like, not not that it's bad to to revisit things from 10 years ago, but, like, even some of the things that Diablo Cody wrote down in her script are, like, wow, that really wouldn't fly today. And thank God. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like, the script of Jennifer's body was, like, full of weird terms like tardy slip, like calling people a tardy slip and saying sped. I remember hearing the term sped to refer to special education which wasn't even a program we had in high school by that point
1: interesting I don't even think I caught that one now that you say it though yeah they do say some like they say some stuff but Jennifer is like we call her evil for the entire movie and I don't as much as I love her like she's not not so I feel like in a she's lot of great ways, person yeah in a lot of ways I, I think Maybe you're right. Maybe maybe we wouldn't write the script that way today, but I feel like maybe we would. And that's why I love this movie in 2020. <laughs>
0: yeah, they don't they don't make her completely innocent. Um before we get into all of Jennifer's body, I should take a moment to address that, you know, there's so much going on in the world and even though I run a horror podcast that my my mom has maybe listened to three episodes of. Uh, I think it's important to uh, recognize the things that are going on in the world because silence would be is just stupid at this point um, so of course, I'm talking about the death of black people at the hands of police brutality and how much that fucking sucks and what and how I'm using this a horror podcast platform to bring up the subject uh I was wondering how I was gonna do that because I don't know That's the that's the viewpoint I have I can't speak to experiences that I don't you know that I've never had but I watched a movie from the 70s called Voodoo Black Exorcist which is not about voodoo and it's not about exorcism it involves uh an Egyptian mummy That comes back to life on a cruise ship, (laughs) and the reason it's called Voodoo Black Exorcist is because it came out in this in the early '70s, I think '73 or '4, when two genres in horror were very popular. One was black exploitation horror, which was films like Blackula and Sugar Hill, a, a zombie movie that takes place in the Caribbean, and also The Exorcist had just come out the year before. So, so the Spanish filmmakers decided to just name the movie that so that they could sell it to audiences as like a cheap knockoff of both genres. And then it's a completely different movie. (laughs) It's, it's like on a cruise ship and the mummy comes back to life. And I'm like, we, well, Egyptian, yes, that is, that is in Africa, but there's literally nothing else that makes. It, there's nothing voodoo about it. Like there's truly no. It's all Egyptomania, which is in itself a weird thing. Yeah. Uh, but I did want to bring it up because this the movie opens with two actors in blackface on a beach fighting, and I'm like, wow, ooh, can I keep watching this? Um, I did to just to see like what the f- the deal what like why of course this was the 70s but like what even possessed them to do this and it wasn't that they didn't know what black people were there were black people in the movie
1: yeah and they and they still had people involved.
0: and they still in the main role like in the important roles would rather put europeans in blackface than just hire black people for the fucking movie
1: no can't do that
0: it it was astounding. Um, I mean, the rest of the film is entirely skippable. It's not uh, only for like the real cult obscure completist would I recommend it, but it, it was something that I did that made me think about all the goings on of the week. And another exploitation film that I saw was called Dirty O'Neill, in which this small town Police officer, it's basically just a sex comedy where the small town police officer beds all these different women. And that's the movie. Huh. And it came out in the same year. And the way it glorifies like small town cop authoritarianism, it's like, hey, if you're a cop, you're going to. It basically glorifies all the reasons that, all the aesthetic and materialistic reasons that people would become cops. And I'm like, oh man, this movie is part of the problem, too. Uh, like, I can't imagine a movie made, being made today where a semi-attractive white cop in a small town just goes around betting every woman in town, and that's the whole movie.
1: Yeah. Was it like, as, how obscure was this one?
0: Um, it was, I think it's not as obscure. Because I found, I found Voodoo Black Exorcist only, I tried to research it on online and could only find very few um, things written about it. Uh, Dirty O'Neill had way more. (laughs) Dirty O'Neill has like a full Wikipedia page for itself. And it's like, okay, so like this movie, I mean, both of these movies are trash movies, like in the grand scheme of things, they're very unimportant and very minimally impactful. And yet, the way people are represented in movies, in even in the horror movies we watch is so important and it should be acknowledged.
1: Yeah, totally. And I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, like even, in, even today, like as absolutely antithetical as it is to like what's literally going on on the street right now, like we still love movies about white cops. Like we, think yes. about anything that Mark Wahlberg, Mark fucking Wahlberg has ever done, He's a fucking—he's like a Boston cop in like fifty to seventy percent of the shit that he's known for. Like we st- we still make those movies. Like those movies have such a huge, like such huge box office success. Oh such my a god! That people just eat that shit up.
0: White men love Mark Wahlberg.
1: White women. White love- women love
0: Mark Wahlberg. And uh, the best part of that movie with Steve Carell and Tina Fey was when they just tell him to put on a fucking shirt. Oh man! I mean, the way that they show this cop as like the main character, and it's all fun and games, like it's very whimsical too. And I'm like, this is this is selling something that does not or should not exist, and. It's so funny that they have Chris Pratt playing the small town cop or that he's almost graduated the the training school because that's such a great encapsulation of that dumb dumb fucking trope of like attractive high school quarterback decides to become a police officer so he can maintain the status quo and continue to boss people around.
1: Yeah, like they just fucking, you know, one of the 100 reasons that I think this movie is so brilliant tvqh like they just hit the nail on the head with it and i i completely forgot i don't think i knew i couldn't have known who chris pratt was
0: at the time. exactly the casting is so foretelling
1: yeah and so like back in 2020 i was like holy fucking shit like how how did it take me into like how am i 26 years old and just realizing that chris pratt was in this fucking movie
0: i love that the the asshole cop is who's not even graduated is played by the fourth build chris in all of the Marvel movies. It's such a, it's such a wonderful, wonderful little, mm.
1: It's like prophetic, honestly. Like, amazing, amazing. Uh,
0: And he's barely there, which is also great. There are very few, there's very little police presence in this movie, which is good.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right. Another reason that it's a feminist hit. <laughs>
0: yes, and it takes place in such a small town, in that small town high school, like, fucking varsity blues. This movie starts out, and it's varsity blues. Like, everyone's wearing the letterman jackets, and, and then it's American Pie. Everyone's trying to get laid. And then Adam Brody shows up, and it's the OC. But then it, it, it lulls you into these comparisons before pulling the rug out from under you, which which... I think is one of the reason men hated this movie in 2009.
1: It's, it's so, so you remember it as men hating the movie.
0: I remember it as flopping. And so many people were like, oh, this, uh, it wasn't sexy enough. It wasn't scary enough. And it wasn't funny enough. And I'm like, what about doing the combination of all three in the way that like, even I was kind of like, oh, I guess it wasn't a great movie, but I I feel like I was influenced so much by the way that it was marketed, too. Because how do you get people to see movies? You tell them, you know, Megan Fox is going to be in it, and that she's going to be a hot demon.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Who wouldn't watch that movie? That's why I picked it back up. Um, I I I'm remembering the way that I that it was advertised to me, and I think like even though I knew I was gonna enjoy it in 2020 pressing play again I had an image in my mind of the movie that was way more of a caricature than it actually was once I once I watched it the second time yes. I was like this movie is like insanely campy it's like overdone that's why we love it but then I pressed play and it was like it's actually not it's not that campy it's like really tight it's, it's not a- campy no it's not it's like the the acting is like actually good the writing is silly but it's it's self aware
0: it's very self aware and i think the writing is another reason that people um had had these expectations going in because diablo cody had just won an oscar for writing juno and people were like oh her her slang heavy she was a one hit wonder who and and the way they would harp on her being a former stripper And the way that we treat sex work now that we didn't in two thousand nine, like another fucking Jennifer related stripping movie, Hustlers, was so well received and Jennifer Lopez should have gotten an Oscar nomination for that performance. It's wild that she didn't. Probably, yeah.
1: But it was so it was never even in twenty twenty, like not with the we, the people, like, would have voted for that to yeah, be. Yeah, not,
0: but not the Academy. The Academy. <laughs> yeah, and so the, the slang and the weird, the weird cadence and, and syntax of Diablo Cody, Cody's writing is so um, signature. And yet in Juno, it's way heavier because, of course, it was, like, the first shot out of the park. And so people were really discounting her as a writer and as a, as a voice in but she did something completely different than yeah. juno when she wrote this script yeah. she was trying to do something else and that's what writers but that's what screenwriters are supposed to do so i i think looking back on diablo cody as well they did the same fucking thing to her almost that they did to megan fox and it all comes down to sexism
1: yeah absolutely i mean looking back at at like feeling how I feel about Juno and then rewatching Jennifer's Body recently, like you're right, they are very they are very different. But I, I don't think I realized at first that Jennifer's Body was written by Diablo Cody, but watching it and then having that information, I was like, Of course this is the same woman. Like there were a lot of a lot of like aesthetic similarities to me in the way that she cast it and the way that she wrote it. Like, um, what a brilliant person. She did a really good job.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, the terminology that's semi-problematic and uh, of today, thats it almost is not quite the problematic language that we know of, but it's close enough that you're like, ooh, oh, I don't know. And so that sense of discomfort that we feel watching this movie also comes from the script and i think that's to its credit in yeah we're in a weird way i'm not condoning certain language of course but it's also off kilter and not quite grounded realistically enough to be self-aware that this is a joke that this is all being drawn for us for a different purpose and that purpose is feminism
1: oh my god So you think that it is aware of the, like, of the silliness of its language, or it's not?
0: I think it's so self-aware, and I think that was part of Diablo Cody's writing, that self-awareness, especially after Juno, because it was, uh, it was unavoidably going to be compared to this movie, which is about a pregnant high schooler.
1: Yeah, like a horror movie in a different way. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You have a feeling about that? (laughs) About... You, you made a face when I said a horror movie in a different way. <laughs> oh,
0: God, no. <laughs> but how do you mean a horror movie in a different way?
1: Oh, just the subject matter. Like, obviously, it was, like, spun cutely, and, like, the, the movie was very cute, and, like, teenage daughters were, like, seeing it with their parents, and it was very kind of, like, PG-13 in that way. Like, some people were offended, but, like, those of us with, like, liberal parents were, like, we can go see this film.
0: <laughs> oh, honestly, I never thought about it that way at at about how how it handles teen pregnancy in such a different way that isn't framed by like morals or
1: oh yeah
0: I mean it kind of is because we live in this country yeah but it's
1: the height of like uh teen mom and like 16 and pregnant on MTV and like this part uh, like the early 2000s the way that I remember it like the a huge pillar of that time period for me was like being a young teenager being a young adult and just like hearing all the time about sex like not even gay sex yet just like straight sex and how none of us should have it and how a pregnant wow. teen is the worst kind of thing that you can be um
0: oh peach
1: yeah <laughs>
0: does he need does he does she need anything
1: she just gets a little hype when i'm like doing stuff she's not involved
0: and she's not involved yeah <laughs> Sorry, Peach. I wish you could be involved. <laughs> I loved the video of um, you hosing her down.
1: <laughs> oh my God, she loves it. Anytime that if I weren't on a video call right now, anytime that she's being annoying, I just take her outside and we play oh. with hose, and she's ready to nap after that.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Oh, you said something that struck me. Um, you said being a teen mom was the worst thing that you could be, yeah. and that's how you remember your teen years. Um, was it just Juno that made, or was it the whole teen mom fever that you talked about, like all the MTV shows that made teen motherhood seem like such a, a, a horror?
1: Um, it, it was definitely a lot MTV, a lot like stuff that I was seeing in the media. And then also like, I was not even a little bit out in high school. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: at that point, not being gay yet, being a straight girl.
0: Being a straight girl. That yeah. was the worst. Then there were people who were like, actually, the worst is uh, uh, dead.
1: Yeah, like, so.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: Like, a lot of my experience just as a human at that point was, like, so consumed with talk about, like, sex. Mm -hmm. I remember, like, talking and thinking about sex, whether I wanted to have it or not, just so fucking
0: I mean, high school is... So fucking horny that it's insane, like it's the horniest time of people's lives, and we're expected to just figure it out, and that's insane because like the there's always like in this movie there's always like the woods behind the school where all the where all the terrible hand jobs happen it's wild how little information is given to like the horniest group of people right
1: yeah, yeah, it's wild, so that's why when I say like you know a different kind of horror movie it's like that really was true for me at that time the idea of ending up like Juno was literally a horror story that like your mom would tell you to get you not to have sex
0: (laughs) oh my god like this is what pregnant this is what pregnancy is like this is what this is like um I love how gory and like gross this movie is because I feel like it's gross in a way that only people who like have never had a period or never given birth or never done certain things that, that some women have to deal with that involve getting messy. And women are not nowhere near as afraid of certain functions and certain body parts as men are because men are such snowflakes when it comes to periods and everything below the belly button.
1: Yeah. It, it's funny. You should say that. i thinking back on the gore. You're right. There's nothing like actually that crazy it's just like a lot of blood and like squishy sounds and like talking about sex and like that. Like and
0: you're like I know what that is
1: yeah and like this isn't that is not that. This is fine like this is okay
0: it's not news to me yeah. I know what to do with this stuff you just you just harpoon yourself with a tampon do, do they say that at some point just
1: yeah, so in the end, when she kills Needy's boyfriend, am I, all, I yeah, of course I can I mean, spoil it.
0: Yeah, spoiler alert, we're talking about Jennifer's body. <laughs> A lot of people die, and here, here they are.
1: Um, one of the ways in which it happens is she kills Needy's boyfriend, um, what's his name? Oh, I
0: know um, Chip. Chip.
1: Chip. She kills- Chip. Oh, that's my parrot.
0: <laughs> oh, Oh my goodness, you have so many animals. Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> Oh my goodness, Low Presty, you're Ace Ventura. Holy
1: shit! Okay.
0: <laughs> this is so funny.
1: Bro, can you guys
0: give me a minute? Oh my goodness, I love it.
1: <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, so she kills Chip, and then like Needy comes to the rescue, and they're in that like weird abandoned pool
0: yes she's dressed like this swan princess but her yeah. her lake is a swampy swimming pool in the in like near the high school or is it just like the old rec center or something
1: i think it's it i'm glad that you also don't really remember because i watched that movie like twice in the last 48 hours like to no pay idea paying attention and each time i found myself in the pool scene being like where the fuck is this how the fuck did we get here like even like we're supposed to be at prom what are we doing um but yeah so chip like she kills chip and then he's like over there bleeding out in the corner and needy grabs like a, a pool skimmer i think
0: mm-hmm. and, and just shoves it
1: shoves it yeah and she's like impaled and Aww. jennifer in one of her like best acting moments in the film was like does anyone have a tube on and like crawls out the window <laughs>
0: Oh my goodness. And it's great that you say it's some of the best uh, acting in the movie. There's also something that happens in that same scene where Needy finally calls Jennifer out for being a bad friend.
1: Exactly what line you're gonna say. For being
0: insecure. And she's like, I am not insecure. But you can tell by her face, you can tell by something in her voice that it's a complete lie. And I loved, loved, loved how Megan Fox did that. She yes. fucking did that. And and it really struck me in that moment as like, this is real for, it's just as real for Jennifer as it is, I think, for Megan Fox and what she was going through at the time.
1: Yeah, it's like such a silly script. And like, if you want to, you can misinterpret Megan's character so deeply. Like, it, it would be so easy for Megan or for any other actor to make that character be so incredibly one-dimensional. And Megan did not do that. Like she had a whole ass character arc that, like, was not necessarily written in the easiest way in in that film. Like, she it was not spelled out for her because she only gets more and more evil. Yeah. As she gets more evil, like we see more of her humanity, like because of how good Megan is doing as an actor. Like.
0: Yeah, I mean the 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 the, the oh shit! I forgot what I was going to say. I'll edit that out. <laughs> Um, oh I remember what I was going to say the way that even before she starts to turn demonically possessed um, which is what happens by the way if we haven't gotten into any plot um, they show in flashbacks and in other ways that she's always kind of been a tough hang and Needy is an incredibly patient person and I love that they call her Needy short for Anita but it's kind of the opposite. Jennifer's the needy friend. She she is so she's such a tough hang, such a high maintenance person to be around. Like even before the demonic stuff, there were clues, I think.
1: Right. Yeah. And you're right, we do see it in flashbacks and like in the pool scene, one of her other acting moments that I like. And it, it's kind of just like cutesy and funny, but needy's like talking about all of the ways that she was a shitty friend when mm-hmm. they were dumb and, like, not sticking up for her and, like, stealing her shit and, like, being really rude to her and whatever. And um, Jennifer's response is, like, and now I'm killing your boyfriend. Like, at least I'm consistent.
0: (laughs) At least I'm cons. Oh, yeah. At least they were communicating their problems. She's like, but I've always done that. And you, I mean, some, I don't want to blame the victim, Needy, at all. But some of it is, like, Needy Needy allowed way more, access to herself than it then seemed smart especially with jennifer it's you could tell like their their relationship is the core of this movie and it's messy it's not perfect like why is needy so patient with such a terrible person and a lot of people are like oh it's because she was in love
1: right it was a
0: queer relationship
1: yeah which is like something that anyone wanted to talk about and
0: in- nobody would bring it up in 2009 yeah. it's only now that we're bringing it up and bringing people back into that that we're like oh there's a reason this movie became a queer cult classic and it is because it is a very queer movie
1: yeah it's so, it's so so gay and i don't like I remember reading something about the marketing today where, like, one of the things that was suggested by, like, someone on the team at the time, the production team, or, like, peripherally related to the team, like, a public relations kind of thing, was, like, we could get, and someone suggested that they use a porn site as, like, advertising this film. Uh, and the- Way ahead of
0: the curve. Doesn't Pornhub do that now?
1: I mean, actually, <laughs> they, got,
0: they got all the Captain America movies up there somewhere.
1: Holy shit. But, like, <laughs> they were, like, um, okay. Like, interesting definitely not what we're going for like jesus christ what the fuck yeah such a weird like and it's interesting earlier hearing you say you know the boys didn't like it or whatever it's funny that you should say that because when i was looking i couldn't really remember how men felt about the movie like i knew how men felt about Mm megan but i don't really remember like hearing what my male friends yeah same here but Roger Ebert at the time reviewed it by saying that it was Twilight for Boys. Which oh, like wrong. O O L, But I
0: oh fucking L.
1: Yeah. But in his like in his opening, he didn't even say that it was like trying to be Twilight for Boys. He just said like it is, which is such an erroneous thing to say because we fucking love Twilight. Like <laughs> girls loved twilight like we still fucking watch twilight like even if it's ironic you know so like what is roger talking about
0: <laughs> i don't know but like boys were i i recall boys leaning back on you know oh well why didn't why didn't they kiss more why didn't they scissor why didn't they both take their tops off and i'm like that's not what the movie is about jesus christ the there's this like meme going around the, on social media because that's where we all live now where someone was like did you have a really intense friendship that led to a very dramatic breakup or are you straight and that's this movie
1: oh my god it's so funny because this is like 2009 i don't know what month it was released but 2009 i was a freshman i was in ninth grade and um i i think it was 2008 to 2009 Mm -hmm. and i had just went from public school for my entire life up to that point to going to an all-girls boarding school. It was like half day, half boarding. I was like a day student, but that was the environment. And I am very, very queer, but again, was like very, very closeted at the time. And I had like that meme that you just described literally was like the- Weekly. of my high school experience like that was what formed that was the bones of my high school experience
0: (laughs) wow um do you mind me asking if you knew you were queer in high school or if you were just figuring it out at the time and you realized later
1: I I absolutely knew like I've I had known in retrospect I'd known since I was in in middle school but my first romantic relationship was like a very abusive one like by a straight man and so mm-hmm. that like definitely set me back in terms of any like coming out that I would have been capable of doing like at that age so it that really affected like how i perceived my own relationship to sex and sexuality so
0: yeah, but I, it...
1: I knew i just didn't talk about it and it was so popular like regardless of that being a big part of the context of those years for me it was very popular then to say that like bi people didn't exist like oh yeah yeah it was very very fashionable and still kind that of it was a
0: gateway yeah that they're not really bi they're just still figuring it out
1: yeah it was like for women it was like bi women are just like slutty straight girls and bi men are just closeted gay men like that was a mainstream like that was the majority belief at the time so I was like yeah
0: no one was like no, no. This is the stopping point. We get off the train here, and we're gonna we're gonna suck and fuck whoever we want at we're the like, station. We are at the station. This
1: is actually where we live. Like,
0: <laughs> yes, we live in Bonertown. All yeah. of the boners, every single kind. Oh my God, a wetty. What? I just remembered the term that Megan Fox or the term that Jennifer uses to describe having a wet pussy. She goes, "Oh, you're giving me a wetty."
1: Oh my god, you're
0: right. I turned into a ball at that. I was just like, oh my god. it It's so bad and yet so perfect. Because there is no word for lady boners. That's why they have to say lady boner, which is yeah. dumb. Yeah,
1: it's like so annoying. It's so annoying.
0: It's like, just there's, there's so many terms for arousal in men or people with penises or arousal in terms of penises and very little in terms of vaginas and it's so wild that they were just like fine we'll make one up we'll
1: make one up and that's like that it's so like Diablo Cody did such a, a beautiful job um,
0: hello peaches is she playing tambourine <laughs> yeah
1: we're in a band
0: oh my goodness you and your dog are in a band I uh, that's <laughs> the next step like Sarah McLaughlin and Fiona Apple should just tour with a A dog next to them with a tambourine as they play piano or guitar. I mean,
1: they haven't already done that.
0: Yeah, she has dogs in her album, doesn't she, Miss Miss Apple?
1: Absolutely.
0: I love that album.
1: Um,
0: sorry, Peaches. Um, she's what?
1: Doing high
0: maintenance. (laughs) High maintenance, just like Jennifer from Jennifer's Body. Um, Great, great segue, Josh. (laughs)
1: <laughs> good job uh
0: the names are great too like jennifer check that's her name and because uh, she checks all the boxes i don't know why her name is jennifer check and then needy lesnicki
1: lesnicki yeah uh, i saw that and was like huh <laughs> really interesting. daughter
0: yeah interesting daughter of amy sedaris in one scene i love i love just seeing amy sedaris pop out and be the amazing are
1: so absent in this film the parents where yeah. are any parents ever
0: that's the other thing is it's very like this is what high school is like you know you're figuring things out and the parents in small town america the parents are working or the parents are busy you know and everyone's a latchkey kid they they go home after school by themselves and let themselves in the house yeah. and that small town mentality uh, permeates this movie as does the whole, like, high school is the most important, most formative years of your life. And looking back, that's true, because you're still growing up, you're still figuring things out. But high school matters so little in the grand scheme of things. When you get to a certain age, you're like, why did high school matter at all? Like, I was why did being popular matter? Why did being in a, in a group or in a clique matter? Like, it's so meaningless to think back on it and go, wow, we, we assigned such value to such dumb stuff when we were that age.
1: Yeah. It was just like, you have no other context at the time. So everything, like the stakes are so artificially heightened at that point. And yes. like, At at what other point in your life, like, unless you're literally, like, Kate on the Titanic, is, like, this boy going to be a life and death thing for you? Like, boy problems, girl problems, relationship problems in high school. Like, that's your entire existence because you have nothing else to do.
0: And when, when one of the real most nefarious problems is how men manipulate women by using these value markers like the 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 value they place on virginity which is a concept that doesn't even exist yeah. <laughs> and how important it was for the for the Adam Brody band oh god low shoulder low
1: shoulder low fucking shoulder
0: it, <gasps> it was wild to be like wow virginity used to be so important yeah that's insane
1: yeah and it's like the virginity it's so multi-layered, like, that element of the story, because there's, like, virginity in the way that it's important to high schoolers. There is virginity in yeah, the, the way- very
0: heteronormative version of it.
1: Right. There's virginity in the way that it's important in, like, pop culture depictions of paganism. Mm. And then there's the element that, like, virgin does not actually mean what people think it means like when when like pagan rituals call for the blood of a virgin it doesn't mean a person a woman who's never had sex
0: wait means, really
1: yeah it means blood that has not been used in a ritual before
0: oh lopressi <laughs> where did you find this out that's mind-blowing well,
1: real quick but i feel this is like something that i talked about with my my latin teacher um,
0: oh if you find the source um, you can send it to me, and I can put it in, like, the show notes or something.
1: Yeah, if let you're me able to find it. DVD on this. I'll fact check it, but I've definitely...
0: That is, so blood that has not been used. So technically, so technically, this movie got something wrong.
1: Like, I don't, but, but that's the thing. So like, of
0: course, I understand the trope is there, and that's what they're playing with.
1: Right. Right. And I I feel like it's it's still a functional thing, like whether or not the creators of the movie had ever heard that
0: before. Of course. And and it's it all comes back to this whole demonic ritual was really just an allegory for, um, you know, when they take her into the when when she gets in their van. She asks them the same question that, that, you know, John, uh, Chip is asking Needy is like, Oh my God, she's been taken by a group of strange men. Like it's going to end in a sexual assault. Yeah. And she's in the van and says, you know, Oh, are you guys rapists? Like she doesn't ask it until she's in the van Yeah. and the whole assault in the woods, though, it's a demonic ritual and therefore accessible to audiences is such An obvious stand-in for for rape culture and for gang rape
1: yeah I I think it's really thinking about it now this might be one of those moments like when you're in high school English class and the teachers like analyze the subtext of this sentence and it's like the author wrote that the curtains were blue and you write like a whole paragraph about how that represents like melancholy and depression and whatnot
0: Um, yes
1: yeah you hear what the author means and they're like the curtains are fucking blue
0: (laughs) sometimes the curtains are just fucking blue
1: yeah so sometimes the curtains are just blue but if i were gonna write an academic essay on it i think there would probably be something in the fact that you're right like the loaded gun of this movie is like are these people gonna rape jennifer Mm -hmm. but the script has sort of turned that on its head and like made her safe in a way that she would not be in any other context because they can't rape her because they need her to be a virgin, Mm -hmm. which is a really interesting subversion of our expectation that she's going to be raped because of how she looks and because of like what we do in horror movies to women.
0: Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Like she, she, she uses her sexual, she weaponizes her sexuality in a way that hasn't been done before. Like she, her sexuality is what, saves her from a fate that is death
1: yeah and for then the rest worse. What <laughs> for better or worse for right. better or
0: worse yeah it it also still i did write i haven't didn't see it that way that she was used that she took the power from them by not being even a backdoor version which is another line i love yeah. and you know because kids in small towns would have anal because that wasn't real sex
1: <laughs> yeah quote
0: unquote and that that means you could keep your i I can't I can't believe that was that people still think that way but i I recall being like oh so she gets antagonized by these men and then the punishment for her not being a virgin is still on her like she's still being punished and they get to succeed mm-hmm. of course eventually there's that catharsis of we you know we we see vengeance served but if you don't know the ending it's like how come how come the victim is being punished and then you're like oh, the victim always gets punished in, like, in real life when, when you're talking about these things.
1: Yeah.
0: the They also punctuate, like, that very, very heavy scene with a Maroon 5 dig, which is great. It's a wonderful way to break tension.
1: Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, when he's like, you want to be famous like that guy <laughs> in Maroon 5, right?
0: Yeah. He's like, oh, do it for Maroon 5. Do it for Maroon 5. Oh, my gosh.
1: I think there was a really, like, I really loved those shoulders like Adam Brody's performance.
0: Peak Adam was, Brody.
1: He was he did a really good job. I really like that. I really like them as a plot point. I really like how little they were actually seen in the movie. Yes. Um, and I what well, what was the thing I was trying to remember? They said something when they were going to kill her. Oh, Adam Brody's like, "Do you have any idea how hard it is to make it as an indie band right now?" Like oh. He was like, unless you get on, like, Letterman or some stupid fucking talk show, like, our only option is Satan.
0: Is Satan, yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta say, I'm, I'm down with uh, S-A-T-A-N. You yeah, know me.
1: And, like, oh my god. And it's just such a, um, like, I grew up on and, and still, like, as a guilty pleasure, pleasure, listen to a lot of, like, whiny white, fans emo
0: was very popular at those times there's there are even emo characters that are like hey
1: i was just talking with my partner the other day about how like that time like the 20 the 2000s and like 2010s like emo and like even screamo like some aggressive
0: oh yeah like (laughs) flyleaf
1: yeah exactly or, or that the that one christian band um it was oath. a
0: christian screamo band
1: oh yeah <laughs> they were called under oath and they were on mtv's like when mtv still played music videos they were in their like they had a couple of songs in their top 10 um at those times um but i was saying to my partner just the other day like there there has been no other like that sound is not going to be mainstream again in our lifetime i don't think like it was so unique that like my chemical romance was mainstream <laughs> and like flyleaf was mainstream like it was a really uh, really interesting time in terms of like popular music
0: yeah cuz people were like this is this is indie and then suddenly it was like everyone was being indie which is it eventually becomes self defeating and did you go through an emo phase in high school
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we all, like... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, literally, we all did, and that's why I think, like, emo as, like, a time period in our lives was so fascinating, is because it was, like, it extended to, like, the popular kids, like... Yeah, everyone was into it. Yeah, my popular friends, like, most of them would be, like, yeah, American Uncle Romance, like, love that, or, like, all-time low, or, like, you know...
0: Dashboard confessional, baby.
1: Yeah, like, fucking all-American rejects, like, (laughs) oh, my God. Were
0: they emo? Is that...
1: Um, that's definitely where they came from and then they were they always veered pop but like they totally were i mean look at their title
0: Uh uh-oh leprasty the message (laughs) boards are gonna be coming after being like oh i you had me until you said all american rejects were emo and then now i hate you forever
1: um dm me i hit me up text (laughs) me i will fight anybody on this topic i am prepared at any time to give a comprehensive list of bands that are and aren't emo from the 2000s i am the authority I'm on looking
0: forward <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm looking forward to seeing that um the the fucking song that they write is so perfect it's so bad and yet something that would totally have uh topped the charts back then <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was it was the perfect sound to to comment on like the emo movement that we were all such fans of. It was the perfect yeah, it was just perfect. It was like the right amount of annoying as fuck with like actual musicality. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> yes, actual musicality cuz we were also at like peak Adam Brody. Yeah. Or we were just sliding down from that hill, I don't know, but it was like the the peak of hot artsy nerd culture like that was that was hot. Yeah if you were a guy who wore eyeliner and you were in touch with your more feminine side, you were okay with women who were confident, which Jennifer certainly was. Yeah. Um, even though, you know, deep down she was very insecure as, as was revealed. But I, it was so weird that it, it feels that nerd, nerd culture is currently being used to describe anything now. Like, oh my God, I'm such a nerd. I love sports. I'm sorry. Sports are not, sports are the opposite. Like, Sports nerd? Yeah. It's like nerd? it's,
1: yeah. what the it's fuck like,
0: is a sports nerd. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't exist.
1: You're absolutely right. But yeah, I know what you mean. It's like to have a genuine, to express a genuine interest in anything is like to be a nerd on some level, which is like so weird. It's not a, what that word means.
0: I'm a nerd. I love horses. No, that's not. Who, who said <laughs> nerds love? Do nerd What? <laughs> I'm Hello? such a nerd. I like to write things down.
1: Ooh, so weird. You're, you're breaking up. What? <laughs>
0: um, and before we move on, because we've been talking a lot about low shoulder and they're so <laughs> they're, they, they are the catalyst, but not the main event. They sing Jenny, I got your number right yes. before
1: yeah,
0: in a scene that honestly was to me the most disturbing because they're singing and they're saying that that they're having a great time with it and they're having fun and doing something lighthearted while something awful is happening. Yeah. And that immediately reminded me of the famous scene in A Clockwork Orange where the the assaulters sing singing in the rain as they assault a family. Yeah. And these guys are singing uh 8675309 right bef- as they stab a woman to death. Yeah. And I, I wonder if there was any inspiration there for the director, uh, Karen Kusama, who's direct, oh, I love her direction here. And one of the things that pissed me off the most about some of the reviews I read from the time period was how they said, you know, Kusama's direction is pretty good, but she's unable to, to achieve any tension. She's unable to, she, she manages, she manages. And I'm like, some of these shots are so sure and so perfectly detailed. I'm like, this is, they were like deigning to compliment Kusama's direction. Yeah. When they should have been like, wow, what a, what a promising director this is. Like she had just done Girl Fight, but this was years before, you know, she did The Invitation, which is a movie that is all tension. Like it's almost as if people like told her oh you need to do tension and she's like fine I will do a movie that is just two and a half hours of tension and you're gonna you're gonna hate it but you're gonna love it and that's the invitation have you yeah. seen it
1: I have seen the invitation and that's I think that's a really great way to describe it I do feel I liked the invitation um I do feel like it sort of was Karen Kawasama's response to like we need like a more like conventionally <laughs> like
0: uh, a slow burner
1: yeah, like that yeah, we need we need something that will do well on the streaming platforms. It needs to be accessible to like people who like this kind of thing. Not so niche as like Juno
0: or Jennifer's body.
1: And she was like, Fine, here.
0: Here you and, go. And it
1: was it was good, but it was I love
0: weird. the invitation.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, not nearly not- as spicy as Jennifer's body.
0: <laughs> oh no, not spicy at all. I mean s- some of the shots were just so spicy just so spicy. I re- one in particular, Jennifer turns demonic because of this ritual gone wrong and once a month has to eat a man. <laughs> Love it. Oh, I didn't um,
1: talk that it was once a month. Oh yeah. my God. And
0: immediately people are like, oh, PMS. And she's like, that was, a, that was an invention by the boy run media. And I'm like, tell us, Jennifer, tell us, but also stop eating people because that's bad.
1: It's just such a smart script
0: (laughs) the script is so smart um but the the shot that I remember was or that I don't remember but immediately noticed was how it zooms in on that sad football player one of the first people that she eats Mm -hmm. and it zooms in on him and Mm -hmm. then it immediately cuts to she's coming from the school from one direction and then it cuts to a a a close-up on him or, or three quarters on him and she comes in from the other side of the frame and scares him because yeah. he literally saw, and, and we, the audience, literally saw him, her coming from another direction. Yeah. And then she immediately appears on the left rather than the right, which is where we saw her coming from. And to me, that's a brilliant way to catch people off guard.
1: Mm, yeah, that's really interesting. No, I, I do agree. There were some visually striking choices in, in mm. Jennifer's body. And that was that was such a that particular shot sticks out to me. I don't think I've thought about it particularly on the level that you just described it, but when I think back on the images from that movie that I remember, that is certainly one of them because it was so different from other things that she did in that movie. Like, it's just this long, like when we're looking at Jennifer approaching um, his, whatever his fucking name is, the football (laughs) player. Jonas. Okay, when we're looking at Jennifer approaching Jonas like we're ju- we're seeing him a little bit like the top of his head I think and mm-hmm. her like making this V line and like most of the frame is like football field I think it's just like green grass and it's like yeah. a very it's kind of a stark frame compared to like how crowded most of the other moments are
0: yeah in, in the like, bar in like, the forest in the crowded high school yeah
1: yeah, or even it, like in the in the three bedrooms that we're in in the movie, like Needy's bedroom, Jennifer's bedroom, Chips' bedroom. Like there are knickknacks everywhere. There we're looking at like yeah, it it was a very a very different frame than than and the rest of the movie.
0: Maybe it was to show his vulnerability because he dies shortly afterwards as one of the first victims of Jennifer's uh, lust for for man flesh. Um, <laughs> So I guess I'm not lying, it sounds weird but it's true. Uh
1: it goes both ways, remember. It's not That's much.
0: <laughs> So that was a big selling point in in 2009, the fact that there is a kiss between Needy played by Amanda Seyfried. Can we talk about Amanda Seyfried and Megan Fox uh, yeah. as a package? Like they're trying to be like, "Oh, Amanda Seyfried, she's so plain and she's so but she's got these big expressive eyes and this blonde hair and Amanda Seyfried has never been anything but beautiful and it always is weird to me when they're like look at this nerd and it's just a beautiful celebrity in glasses
1: yeah i was talking about this with a friend last night where like we allowed amanda seyfried who is conventionally beautiful Mm -hmm. um to have a career in hollywood but we did not allow megan the same opportunity and like the reason is as simple as like megan fox is like the type of hot that you you just resent you can't slap glasses on it and call it ugly. Like it would be disingenuous, but the way that they made Amanda Seyfried up and the, and a role that she fell into often, I feel like as she was coming up was one where they put glasses on her. They like flatten her hair. They make Mm -hmm. her wear like unflattering nerdy clothes. And we almost experience her as ugly when Mm -hmm. she is so not ugly, but, but we can, we've been able to get away with that because of what she looks like. Um,
0: Yeah. It's, yeah, that's a good point. You can't just put glasses on Megan Fox and be like she's a nerd. No, which like is why I loved her her appearance in This Is 40. Oh, that yeah. was one of the ways I was like, "Oh my gosh, Megan Fox is doing some great stuff here. Why didn't Hollywood give her more opportunities?"
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we just didn't have like That's a good example, but Uh, I I think you could probably only take her um trope like we didn't feel the need to be generous to Megan Fox
0: no no. people have problems too
1: yeah like all of the bitchy mean girl roles like you can only be so bitchy like if you want to be allowed to perform other roles like in Hollywood
0: yeah and the reason like she stopped working is because she said, I don't want to be this anymore. I'm not going to do any more Transformers movie. And that nearly ended her career. Cause she was like, I'm tired of being treated like a side, like a piece of meat in these movies. Yeah. And people were like, Oh, well then have fun never working again. You hot person.
1: I but never put Amanda
0: wanted- say in Mamma mama Mia. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. with fucking Meryl Streep? Um, I never watched the Transformers movies. I never wanted to uh when i was poking around the internet for what megan fox has been up to i saw her like i was looking at what she had said can you hear the dog yes okay
0: that's okay bye phs i think
1: over here there's a siren (laughs) ah
0: um what were we talking about um oh you saw the trans you never saw the transformers movies
1: right right right, the transformers movie um so i looked at what she she had said about jennifer's body that like can, are you still hearing the dog or now?
0: Yeah, but it's fine. <laughs> it's is gonna it, be a theme. Film?
1: Okay, great, cool. She had said about the script of Jennifer's Body that it was like she was like it's so funny. Like she she had said I don't really like to watch things with lots of violence and sex in them because it makes me uncomfortable. Which like honestly I can relate to. I don't like to watch things with sex either, but that was not a problem for me in this film. And they do get <laughs> sexual. Um, but she said you know, I I would watch this movie anyway if I I wasn't in it because it's just so funny. Um, And that's what she had to say about Jennifer's body. And then I looked at a quote that she had about Transformers and this girl, and it was like a whole thing. She was like, (laughs) she said something really fucking insane, like uh, about Transformers. She goes, I'm in the movie. I spent all this time on the set. I've read the script. I've seen it now. I don't know what it's about and i think if you know what transformers is about then you're a genius (laughs) the director of transformers like was so upset and they were like that's a weird ass thing to say like we you know the 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 script is totally comprehensible it's like a great movie and like she's she's a bitch and she's like really hard to work with and we did yeah they were like we did not enjoy working with her at all and megan and her team were like um I, I try, I go out of my way to be kind to people and I'm <sighs> sorry that like this, it's devolved into this. It's like not what I wanted it to be.
0: Oh, and it's so weird because calling Michael Bay s- scripts bad is just like saying, well, yeah, but you don't look at fireworks for the geometry.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like, Ooh, what a beautiful angle that firework went up at. No, it's about the explosions, dude. Yeah. How d- <laughs> He's like so butt hurt that they don't love his script. Okay, Michael Bay.
1: It's like it was never. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to put it. But he You'll was be fine. Yeah, he was so butt hurt. But it's like that's <sighs> my memory of Transformers too. Is like, and that's why I didn't want to watch it because I'm I'm not really into the like the fireworks movies and not really into the car crashes and the explosions mm-hmm. and stuff like that it doesn't do very much for me. So I was like, that's what Transformers mostly is. So I'm not gonna watch it. And obviously, like, Megan Fox is the dumbass here sitting around trying to find meaning in the Transformers script, you know? But she said it. She was like, I don't but know. But she said it.
0: Way. She finally and, said it.
1: Yeah. And fucking Michael Bay was like, oh, no, 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 no. Which, like, you're right. How, who does he is? <laughs> Has he seen his movies?
0: Maybe. I, I, who knows what he sees? He yeah. probably, like, turns on Transformers and he's like, Hamlet who? I'm amazing. And then he just jerks off on the screen and he's like, oh, I love this. I love myself. Um and that's how Michael Bay spends his quarantine evenings. Hey. Uh one one thing I did want to bring up was the same-sex kiss between Amanda Cypher between Needy and Jennifer and the sexual experimentation or sexual discovery, depending on how you look at it. I because virginity and sex were so important to this movie and what it was, the relationship between these two girls, I found it interesting that they had this, like, psychic connection during Needy's first sexual experience with, with good old Chip Mm -hmm. and, uh, and Jennifer's with the emo boy that she was tearing limb from limb, Mm -hmm. and, um, and it was, I think, the first time Needy had had sex with anyone, yeah. it read like that. Yeah. It read like that. And she says, well, when she's like struggling with that psychic connection, she starts saying hopeless,
1: mm-hmm.
0: hopeless. And it's because Jennifer's like, I need you frightened and hopeless. Um, but needy is frightened and hopeless during straight sex. And the next scene is her first queer experience. And I'm like, Oh my God, because it just sunk in that, when you're figuring out your own queerness, you often feel frightened and hopeless, too. And when you finally start to discover your queerness, that's when there finally is hope. And that was such a beautiful scene. And to have it, uh, you know, boiled down to, ooh, Megan Faden touching each other's boobs, what if they're going to scissor, was so diabolical. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, truly. Especially because there was really nothing, like, that steamy about that not account. really like the only it, steamy thing is that megan and and uh why did i just blank on her name megan and uh amanda oh my god amanda holy shit Meghan we and- love you
0: amanda sorry
1: i love you um they're hot like they just yes. have a kiss and then and she's the
0: kiss like, oh. is very in- intimate and very sweet and it's and that in itself is very sexy like this is so beautiful and sexy this moment between what might be two queer women and there's there wasn't a lot of that in 20 20 oh nine.
1: Yeah 2009. <laughs> no you're right there there wasn't. Although I, I wonder in retrospect if it actually was their first queer encounter just because at the end when
0: they have their friendship breakup.
1: <laughs> yeah what what point are we at in in the in the film at that point? She's like I think needy's like going away to go back to her her boyfriend in some capacity and um uh Megan's like uh she's like you know I, I could stay here and we can play boyfriend and girlfriend like we used to <gasps>
0: oh. Yeah. oh okay all right no that's that is more telling as well
1: yeah and we kind of just glossed right over it which like I think I think is um emblematic of the year that it was made but also yeah, thanks I- for
0: bringing it up I didn't even hear that line or it didn't even clock
1: Yeah, I think it must have been on the second watch that I I was like, oh, shit. But also, like, of course, because they're so, if you look at the way that they interact um, throughout the rest of the movie, they're, like, physical relationships with one another. They're, like, very comfortable with one another. And, like, if they're kids playing boyfriend and girlfriend, like, maybe it wasn't overtly sexual, but that's still, like, physical intimacy on on a level. Like, she had with a woman before she probably ever had with with a boy, like, Chip.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. That, that, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for bringing (laughs) it up. I love it. Uh, you say you watched it a couple times. I want to go back and, and, and fucking watch it again right now, which leads me to my, um, closing question, which is, did you gag on this film?
1: Um, yeah, I would say that I gagged on this film in the best possible way. In the best way. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. It was a gag.
0: Uh, is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanna bring up like the the fact that their occult section of the library was nowhere near as impressive as the one in Buffy the Vampire slayer?
1: Yeah, it was very small um
0: <laughs> small no, I think we touched
1: I think we touched on a lot of the stuff that I would have said. I think the only other thing that I might have talked about was um not realizing until the second watch that um Chip is like a shitty boyfriend and a shitty man really? and i, I yeah, <gasps> I you about why really quick
0: yes tell me i found him here. so sweet
1: <laughs> so here are my quick points like if you go back um to the to the opening where like the fire happens and all that needy calls chip and she's like like please help me we need to go get jennifer like she's in the van with these they like they abducted her like she needs help and fucking chip is like who cares that she's missing like she wanted to be with them anyway right like oh fuck God. it like she's a slut anyway he
0: literally he's like <gasps> He sledgehames her, oh my god, chip.
1: Yeah. So there is that No wonder and he dies. Yeah. And then the, so by the time he died, I was like, good, fuck him. And then also he fucking cheats on Needy. Like Megan seduces mm. him. remember. And when he finally stops her, the only thing he says about it is not like, oh no, we can't, because I love Needy. He goes, um, he goes, I'm sorry, I can't. This just feels weird. Ugh. That's what this motherfucker says.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it is it is the culmination of how of how bad of a friend Jennifer is and it leads to their whole friendship breakup, which is friendship breakups are very hard because nobody, um, they don't have the same weight as, um, as like romantic relationships that break off, but they can be just as painful.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And it was something that was brewing for a while between the two of them because of the way that they, treated each other in the way that Jennifer would always be jealous and and try to take what was what needy had that she didn't due to her insecurities that whole using chip as like a a pawn and all that it turns the tables on the way women are often used to like further the story between two men um so I did like how they reversed that Mm -hmm. but I honestly I was like oh no justice for chip but since you brought it up, you know what? Maybe it was just the funny little way that he said, am, am I too big? Oh my god. Oh, like chill, dude. Oh, I'm glad you gagged on the film. And would you gag on it again? Oh, hell yeah. In a heartbeat. Awesome. <laughs> Where can people find you if they want to see your stuff, if they want to? see your funniness, because you really are just a great shit poster. You're so funny oh. and surreal sometimes, which I love.
1: Thanks. Um, I, I think I have a fairly public Facebook profile and an Instagram. I'm not on Twitter, unfortunately. That's so
0: healthy, though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, those are my only platforms, really. I don't have a website or anything like that. Friend um, so me on Facebook. I'll accept it. <laughs> Ooh,
0: and are you on Instagram?
1: I am on Instagram,
0: and what's your Instagram?
1: I think it's lopresti
0: 239 239. Okie doke. Well, I'm so glad you did this with me and thank you so, so much, Allison Lopresti. Uh, I hope we get to gag on another movie soon.
1: Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me.
0: And thank you so, so much. And to all of my people who might be feeling frightened or hopeless, just know that's your beautiful inner queer trying to break free. Listen to them. Okay, bye.